Support for Under the Radar comes from Wellwithall. Wellwithall believes that self-care is community care. Premium products crafted for your daily wellness, from sleep support to heart health to your daily regimen. 20% of Wellwithall's profits are committed to leading the fight for health equity. They won't stop until it is truly Wellwithall. Under the radar means hearing about things you didn't know you needed to know until you hear them. It's a serious look. To hear about the issues that don't get the attention they deserve. Under the radar doesn't get caught up in the day-to-day. Surfacing issues that are not talked about in mainstream media. I think it's something that connects us to each other. Under the radar is all about discovery. I can be guaranteed voices I haven't heard before. But also the questions. Under the radar is one step ahead. I'm Callie Crossley. This week on Under the Radar with Callie Crossley, Immediately after the Supreme Court's ruling to overturn Roe v. Wade, LGBTQ rights advocates sounded the alarm, saying the conservative court won't stop at Roe. At least one justice, Clarence Thomas, has confirmed their fears with his statement that the high court should reconsider its decisions on gay rights. Meanwhile, vandal-smeared homophobic graffiti on the exterior of The Pride, Boston's LGBTQ senior housing complex. And Hollywood's latest rom-com is set among a group of vacationing gay men. Fire Island offers a fresh take on a summer romance which celebrates queerness. Those stories and more on our LGBTQ News Roundtable. Later in the show, the tale of a horse with an outstanding pedigree and compelling life narrative whose story was once lost to history. Horse, the latest novel by author Geraldine Brooks, weaves rich threads of mystery, art, science, and history in a too-good-to-put-down book. It's our July selection for Bookmarked, the Under the Radar Book Club. But first, joining me now, Grace Sterling Stowell, Executive Director of the Boston Alliance of Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender, Queer Youth, or Bagley. Welcome, Grace. Hi, Kelly. Glad to be here today. Glad to have you. Jansen Wu, Executive Director of GLBTQ Legal Advocates and Defenders. Hi, Jansen. A pleasure as always. Thank you for having me. And Sue O'Connell, commentator and host at New England Cable News, NBC10 Boston, and NBCLX. She is also a co-publisher of Bay Windows and the South End News. Thanks for joining us, Sue. Hey, Kelly. All right. Well, I'm going to start off with the bad news. Um, The Roe decision, which, as I've just said, has implications for other people's rights beyond abortion, which, of course, was addressed in the Roe v. Wade decision. Uh, Before you all comment, let's take a listen to Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren. She was warning that the Supreme Court won't stop at Roe on late night with Seth Meyers earlier this month. They've already told us the direction they're headed in. They're not stopping at Roe. They're not, you didn't hear them at the end of this say, oh, we got Roe, the climate and guns, we're done. No, Clarence Thomas already said, we're coming after the LGBTQ community. We are coming after contraception. We are coming after what people do in the privacy of their own homes and their, their intimate and family lives. So what she's referring to specifically are several cases that address privacy specifically. And upon those cases, some of the reasoning for the overturning of Roe was used, which is hence the concern, Jansen. How concerned should everybody be at this point? It's hard not to read Clarence Thomas's concurrence and not be concerned about not just LGBTQ rights, but the rights of 
uh, so many um, and rights that we've taken for granted for such a long period of time. But I also just want to say that those rights are currently being attacked and currently being taken away. Um, so first and foremost, of course, the restrictions on abortion access, you know, are harming um, women and all people who can be pregnant, including people in the LGBTQ community. We are, you know, as we've talked about in this program before, have seen over 300 anti-LGBTQ bills um, introduced uh, in state legislators, legislatures across the country, many of which have passed. And so when we kind of think about, you know, the attacks that may come specifically to the right to engage in intimate sexual relationships, the right to marry, as well as the right to access contraception, we have to see those risks and those coming attacks as part of this larger picture where LGBTQ communities and all marginalized communities are really being used as wedge issues in, you know, our current political climate. Um, so just because Associate Justice Clarence Thomas made it a part of the opinion, his own separate statement, specifically pointing to uh, some of the rulings that he says were erroneously decided and should be uh, thought of again, let's just point out that he's in an interracial marriage and he did not mention that case as one that should be looked at again. However, just because he says it doesn't mean that the rest of the court has to go along with it or even necessarily agree with what he's saying. So is it premature to be at the level of alarm? No, you know, we should probably just look at how the erosion of the right to vote is happening. It doesn't need to be a Supreme Court decision in order to make it more difficult for people to access rights. So, but, you know, what Clarence Thomas is doing is signaling to state lawmakers that they have leeway here to start giving this religious objection stance to government officials. And it might get to the, the Supreme Court. It might take a while. But if you're a, a same-sex couple who wants to get married and you can't get a license in your rural community because your clerk says, uh, it's my religious objection not to give it to you, or you can't rent a place to have your wedding reception, or you can't get a cake, or you can't do this and you can't do that, and you add all these obstacles up on the state level and the city and town level, you know, you are de facto making it impossible for same-sex couples to enjoy their right to marry. And so, you know, this is the this is the, the assault that's happening both on uh, Roe v. Wade, on privacy, on contraception, on same-sex equal marriage rights, because it's happening both as a signal from the Supreme Court, and then you've got the state lawmakers who are going to look at it and take advantage of that. So, Grace, do you have a sense from what you've been hearing since the decision that people outside of the LGBTQ community understand, or even those some within the LGBTQ community understand that this is a threat? You know, I, I would say that they're, they're starting to, you know, on, on the progressive left, uh, typically people focus on the issues that are most important to them and don't always draw the draw the connections to other issues and how they impact all of us and we've said before that lgbtq folks are 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 part of every community so so all these issues are lgbtq issues and 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 lgbtq issues are part of uh, uh, other community issues as well and so i am heartened to hear that that uh, i think that roe v wade certainly was a wake up call for some 
and 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 I'm hearing more conversation from folks about how all of these issues are linked, and it's part of a coordinated strategy. Uh, you know, as Sue and Jansen have been saying, this is happening locally, it's happening nationally. It's not just the Supreme Court, and we really need to come together to challenge this if we're going to be effective. Any of you can address this. I'm curious, where do you see the nascent movement now, the coordinated movement that Grace just referred to in six months? I mean, is because, you know, Americans have a notoriously short attention span. But I just wonder if because this strikes places that people hadn't considered, and I also don't know if they, they haven't considered it because they haven't been faced with it yet, because it's always been there. So I, I just wonder if in six months something different may be happening. But I, I want to get your assessment. Well, Kelly, I'll jump in. Uh, and what I think is going to happen, and it's from a political standpoint, I mean, I, I think that uh, former President Trump is going to declare that he's running again, and he's going to do that before the midterm elections. And I'm predicting that the Democrats are actually going to pick up a seat or two in the Senate, and they're going to hold uh, Congress. And then you're going to have a presidential election that's going to be in full swing by the time we get uh, to next to, to January. And uh, these issues, the issues of, of uh, LGBTQ rights are going to be firmly entrenched with the privacy rights, the right to abortion access to health care. And uh, hopefully we'll get on the other side of this and we'll be back to having these rights uh, either as law of the land or firmly institutionalized as as uh, part of the uh, Constitution. That's my guest, Sue O'Connell, commentator and host at New England Cable News, NBC10 Boston and NBC LX. Um, Grace, you just mentioned the coordinated effort. So what do you think? Well, I certainly would like to be hopeful. The other uh, issue that's playing out nationally, of course, is the January 6th hearings. And, and again, I'm, I am hearing from folks who maybe haven't, weren't paying as much attention before. Uh, and what's coming out of that is a wake-up call for many of them as well. So the part of me that always wants to be optimistic is, is knowing that more people are, are engaged than before and thinking differently about this and perhaps thinking of new ways of organizing uh, as we move forward. You know, the more pessimistic part of me recognizes that, you know, we're up against a really challenging coordinated effort on the right and and they've ha- they've had victories including this latest one and so it's it's going to be an uphill battle because it's it's a it's a war of uh, you know even on what what is true what is factual you know what is reality that's my guest Grace Sterling Stoll of the Boston Alliance of Lesbian Gay Bisexual Transgender Queer Youth or Bagley uh Jansen your take yeah so i always take the long view on all matters related to social justice and civil rights. And I think our history bears out, you know, that these are long-term struggles. I am particularly worried that it's going to be increasingly harder going forward uh, to both protect our rights as well as to win new ones because of the weakening of our democratic institutions at both federal and state levels in, in all three branches of our government, as well as in our elections. And so glad, actually, along with other LGBTQ legal organizations just issued a statement in support of court reform, including the expansion of four more seats to the Supreme Court, as well as filibuster reform as it relates to voting rights, because we see these as existential threats to not just the LGBTQ community, but to our democracy. That's Jansen Wu of GLBTQ Legal Advocates and Defenders, or GLAD. Well, speaking of just the atmosphere in which 
all of this is going on. Last week, we got news that the the senior housing development called the Pride, which was being built, 74-unit housing development uh, in the former William Barden Rogers Middle School in Hyde Park, was vandalized with homophobic graffiti. Now, we should say, after the vandalization, the next morning, people in the community pushed back, said, we're not going to stand for this, and they came and repainted over the graffiti, but but yet and still it happened. Yeah, and, and it's actually not new, right? This is, this is uh, an ongoing level of assault. Luckily, we're in Massachusetts. It doesn't happen as often as it does in other parts of the country. The Bay Windows newspaper box at Back Bay Station, once every week our papers got delivered, someone took the papers out and put a dead pigeon in there. Oh, my the God. Rainbow, uh, the um, Rainbow Times newspaper in Salem a couple of years ago, Someone set fire to their newspaper box, and I think they caught the kids who did it. There was a situation last year, I believe, in Milton, where a family had a rainbow flag out. That was vandalized. Uh, Milton residents also were getting hate mail for many, many, like a couple of years, they were getting hate mail from a neighbor and homophobic mail. I mean, so these are, are incidents that happen on a low simmer on a regular basis, uh, across the country, and we're not immune from that here in Massachusetts. Now, having said that, the response to these assaults uh, uh, and these va- these acts of vandalism are usually full-throated not only by our community, but also by leaders like Mayor Wu and uh, Governor Baker and other people who rally to make sure they send the message that this is this is not how it should be. This is not tolerable. But, um, you know, again, we're in Massachusetts. We're lucky in many ways. But this sort of stuff happens on a regular basis. Um, Jansen? Yes, I just wanted to point out kind of, you know, what the underlying you know need was here, which is, you know, inclusive, affirming, safe housing for LGBTQ older adults, which we are, you know, sorely in need of. And, you know, while we can't build ourselves out of this crisis that we have in terms of LGBTQ affirming housing, um, the pride you know, project was an important piece of ensuring that our older generations have some place to live when they didn't have to go back into the closet. So it's doubly horrible that this vandalism happened there. I'm glad, actually, we just settled a landmark case in Maine on behalf of a transgender older woman, Marie King, who languished in an emergency room for two months before she was finally able to find a placement in an assisted living facility. Um, and that's because she couldn't find any place to mm-hmm. accept her because of her transgender status. And that's just one of so many stories. So I'm happy to hear this to see the community coming out in response to this. And I also want to ensure that we kind of keep at the top of our level the needs of older adults throughout the story. Um, Grace. Yeah, I'd like to echo everything that Sue and Jansen said that, you know, one, you know, we, we often think here in Massachusetts, we're in a blue state, we're very progressive, uh, you know, bad things happen elsewhere, but, but of course, they've always been happening here. And while we have more uh, political and institutional support than in many other areas of the country, uh, we're not immune from the attacks on our communities and who we are. And this is the latest example of that. Um, and, and I think it's important. You know that we that despite uh, while what happened was uh, uh, horrendous was a negative thing. It it also highlights that the the community is working hard to make sure that uh, 
the, our elders, and I guess I'm now one of them, and I'm the, my baby boom <laughs> generation, um, that, that our generation and the generations before us, uh, you know, are safe and protected. And so uh, I think it, it's, it's a good thing what the community is doing to try to make sure that, that, that LGBTQ from, from young people to elders are, are taken care of. And it reminds us that none of us are immune from hate and we need to stand together. Okay. If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley, and I'm here with Grace Sterling Stoll of the Boston Alliance of Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender, Queer Youth, Jansen Wu of GLBTQ Legal Advocates and Defenders, and Sue O'Connell of NECN and NBC. We're discussing the latest LGBTQ news you should know. Uh, Let me move on to a story about... uh, monkeypox and the gay community. I must confess, I've heard the stories about monkeypox. I've been following that because, you know, these days you want to be very virus aware. Uh, and But I had not heard until very recently that there was a growing stigma against uh, gay and um, bisexual men connected to monkeypox. Before you all respond, let's listen to the WHO expert Andy Seal talking about monkeypox stigma against gay and bisexual men. There's a lot of stigma and discrimination that that surrounds many diseases and I think the key thing we need to look out for is you know um, as WHO to work with our partners in communities and elsewhere to make sure that the messaging is correct so while for example we're seeing you know um, some cases amongst men who have sex with men this is not a gay disease as some people in social media have have attempted to to label it that's just not the case you don't need to have sexual um, contact in order to um, transmit um, monkeypox close personal contact is sufficient and that's the world health organization's andy seal explaining that now how this latest outbreak, which then got translated into stigma, uh, apparently happened is that someone who had monkeypox and had a lesion showed up at a, what they're describing as a gay rave in Europe, and it spread to a lot of those in that network. And so then, hence now, um, suddenly it's become a quote-unquote gay disease, which, as the expert just said, is not true. Um, Jansen, I'll let you start off. Well, you know, for those of us in the gay male community, I mean, there are certainly many echoes to the AIDS epidemic in terms of the feminization around gay men and, you know, in particular gay male sexuality. Um, and so, yes, it is important um, that we talk about monkeypox and educate the gay male community and to ensure that we have the resources, um, the testing, the vaccination that we need to protect ourselves. And it's also important that we, you know, talk about it in the context of all of our communities because everyone, you know, could be at risk depending on your environment and who you, you know, associate with and whatnot. The bigger story and concern is the fact that we don't have adequate testing. We don't have adequate vaccines. It's also not by accident. I mean, monkeypox has been around for a long time, largely circulating in Western Central Africa, and there has been a lack of investment um, in vaccines and testing um, because of our lack of priorities in international health. And so I think now that we're seeing it you know, in the U.S., I'm hopeful that we can correct that mistake. Grace, how do you feel about this uh, new stigmatization? 
Well, I, I remember 40 years ago at the beginning of the AIDS epidemic, and it, and it seems very similar where, where uh, people are looking at uh, you know, disease, a virus, something that, that's transmitted uh, in specific ways. And if it shows up in a community that's already stigmatized, then it just becomes another another way of, of blaming and shaming the community. And so it's not about identity, it's about, it's about behavior, it's about environment, it's about situations and anybody could be potentially um, uh, at risk depending on the, those situations. And so, you know, we, we, we've been through this before and the way we combated it was, was education to make it really clear that it really is about, about those other risk factors and not about who you are as a person or your identity. And, and, and also, as Jansen said, how important it is to make sure that people have access to both treatment and vaccines. Sue. Uh, look, this is not our first time at the rodeo. And um, it's also, we're, we're still in a pandemic, right? So the message to everyone should be, if you don't feel well, don't go out. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Period. If you don't feel well, don't have sex with someone. If you don't feel well, don't take your shirt off in a sweaty room or put a tank top on uh, in, a, in a rave with, uh, you know, packed people having a great time, being sweaty, listening to music and dancing, brushing up against each other when there's a skin to skin uh, uh, virus that's out there that is contagious and you could get it. And that's the message for everyone. It's not just for gay men. Okay. I want to turn to something. This is a very heavy show. <laughs> to something a little, a little lighter. Um, maybe. Well, we were talking about raves. So yeah. Happy. yeah, yeah happy. Okay. <laughs> well, the setting anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of attention to this new um, film called Fire Island, which uh, features an all-gay cast. And I have to say that in the course of doing this show, that's not actually a statement one could make. Uh, even a few years ago. So now that's happening. And uh, it's gotten quite a, a bit of attention because it's a it's a romance between gay men, as I said, in a vacationing community. A lot of conversation about this culturally online. Love to get you all to weigh in on it. Start with you, Jansen. Well, it was a date night movie for my husband and me. So okay. we did watch um, Fire Island. First of all, my husband loves rom-com. So this is yeah. right up our alley. <laughs> it was an excellent rom-com. So it meets all the criteria for a good rom-com. Um, but it also, you know, of course, it features, you know, a story about gay male sexuality, which you rarely ever see on the movie screen, right? Mm -hmm. um, it features um, stories about um, gay Asian American men as well, too, which you see more rarely um, in the screens. Um, it talks about racism within the gay community and at Fire Island and classism as well, too, because many of the characters in the movie are excluded because they don't have the fancy houses. So there's a whole lot of themes that really made it, you know, richer than your, you know, normal rom-com. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's always lovely to see the two people that you're rooting for end up together. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I happen to love Bo and Yang, so that's a draw for mm -hmm. me. So I haven't seen it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. All right, Sue. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, it's I, This happens in, I think, every community. We don't have enough of uh, representation across the board for the LGBTQIA in terms of, of movies. And as you noted, 
this is great. We finally have a movie with actually, we're starting to see movies with gay people actually playing gay people. I saw the movie too, also enjoyed it. But it can't carry the burden of representing every single flavor of LGBTQ person in the world. So there's been some complaints about it being stereotypical or not including enough of this or enough of that, but it's a rom-com, right? So the goal here, I think, is not to put the burden on this movie to be, uh, you know, everything for us but to try and push to get more major films made that represent the different slices of us. Okay, Grace, before you comment, let's play a part of a trailer. And this is Hulu's latest rom-com, Fire Island. This week is sacred. We're going to Fire Island. And this is why straight people hate us. And also, heteronormativity, Judeo-Christian pathology. For whatever reason, call it magic, time sort of works differently here. Finally, my girls have arrived! And that is our makeshift little family. I just love hearing Margaret Cho there. Yeah. <laughs> That's just great. All right, Grace, so you've heard about it, even if you haven't seen it. What's your take? Yeah. And, and absolutely, I must see it, because I have heard great things about it. And I think, you know, I, I over the years, whenever there, there was a film that came out that was representing or, or trying to represent parts of our community, there was always that fear and trepidation. Oh, my God, you know, how is it how is it going to present us? Will it be stereotypical? Will it be real? Will it feel authentic? And certainly in more recent years, with the, the pressure to have actual gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender people playing playing char- the, the actors, playing those characters on the screen for authenticity. So, you know, this is a step forward, certainly to to have a film that 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 does so many of those things. And as Sue said, yeah, the burden can't be on any one film or television program or or any other piece of media because it, it's the collective. It's so important that we have lots of representation in lots of different ways to represent the diversity of our communities. Well, I, I just want to point out that this is a little bit of a tiny trend, Sue, because there mm-hmm. is another film called Bros, and then yep. uh, Netflix has a series coming up called Uncoupled, which stars Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, and we had the holiday. We had the, uh, the yes. holiday film, too, that was out as well, which I will put a plug into because it was an excellent holiday film. That was so um, good. That was, yeah, uh, I loved yeah. it. We'll be talking about those as they come up, but it's just a It'll be interesting to see, as you say, Sue, the various shades. All right. We're ending with this because there's a lot of conversation going on about this. But uh, Bette Midler and Macy Gray brought it to the fore again. So I'll let you all weigh in on it. So after the Supreme Court decision, which is how we started this discussion, there was much discussion among many people. And Bette Midler made a statement. Women of the world, she said, we're being stripped of our rights over our bodies, our lives, and even of our name. They don't call us women anymore. They call us birthing people people or menstruators and even people with vaginas. Don't let them erase you. Every human on earth owes you. Macy Gray, the singer, went uh, was doing a conversation with Piers Morgan. There's your problem right there, but I digress. And she <laughs> said, um, I will say this and everybody's going to hate me, but as a woman, just because you go change your body parts, it does not make you a woman. Sorry. So needless to say, many people have responded to this quite fiercely. Um, saying to them that they're, you know, transphobic and um, this is and they're, you know, really appalled because uh, both of these uh, women have enjoyed, I would say, the favor of the LGBTQ uh, plus community. So what do you guys think? 
So I'll, I'll bring up Margaret Cho again for mm -hmm. you, Callie, mm -hmm. who in 2004 on uh, her website uh, had a headline that said, Bet, how could you in mm. 2004? Because Bet Midler said on Larry King that she didn't think that same-sex marriage would work wow. because gay men are so promiscuous. So Bette Midler has had a history of, of even before 2004, of saying stuff like that. This is, you know, Bet being Bet. And, you know, Macy, have we heard from her lately? I mean, this is like suddenly she's she's back in the mix. And I think neither one of them are Cher. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, uh, Grace? <laughs> well, you know, I... I... I think both comments were were somewhat different, and and with Beth's comment, and it certainly saddens me that it, it, apparently in her effort to to sort of affirm, you know, the, how this just the Roe v. Wade decision affects women was was somehow offended or or concerned about inclusive language, and so I I, I wish she had done better there to say that that more inclusive language doesn't erase anyone; it includes more people, and and that that could have been a moment for her to ally with the transgender community without without feeling, you know, that somehow this was taking away from you know how she was defining women. So that saddened me. M Macy's comment seemed more directly uh, transphobic, more more getting into biological essentialism. And so that was really disappointing. And my, my, my understanding is that both of them responded and tried to, I don't know if it was apology or clarify, but it, but it just is a reminder that even even folks who are allies or celebrities or who have, have tried to support our communities in different ways at times mess up. And, and I just hope that they can learn from that and move forward. All right, Jansen, last word. Um, well, you know, I really agree with everything Grace just said. Um, and you know, I think with that Midler's comments, I mean, I think there are ways, you know, to be inclusive that includes, you know, the term woman and, you know, the local LGBTQ um, um, organizations in Boston actually signed on to a statement um, in the days after the Dobbs decision, affirming our support for reproductive rights and abortion access. And in contracting that statement, we decided to use women and people who also experience unintended pregnancies to ensure it included, you know, particularly transgender men and non-binary individuals who are capable of uh, unintended pregnancies. And so, you know, it's the question she raises is a legitimate one. It's like, how do we make sure that, you know, we are both inclusive, but also that we don't, you know, lose sight of the fact that, you know, the overturning of Roe, you know, strikes at the heart of equal status for women in our society. But the way she communicated that was perhaps less than artful. Uh, Macy Gray's comment, however, you know, seems particularly problematic for all the reasons that Gray said. Um, and so I would just, I want to clump them together. All right. Well, as always, I appreciate your insight and intellect. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you at the next rave, Callie. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> if it's in front of my TV set with a cable on, maybe. <laughs> Grace Sterling Stoll is the executive director of the Boston Alliance of Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender, Queer Youth, or Bagley. Jansen Wu is the executive director of GLAD, GLBTQ Legal Advocates and Defenders. And Sue O'Connell is a commentator and host at New England Cable News, NBC10 Boston, and NBC. LX. She is also a co-publisher of Bay Windows and the South End News. Coming up, in her new book, Horse, 
author Geraldine Brooks takes us on a mystery adventure to reveal the brilliant history of a racehorse named Lexington and the people who cared for and coveted him. In telling the fictionalized story of the real Lexington, Brooks knits together themes of race, art, and science. Horse is our July selection for Bookmarked, the Under the Radar Book Club. That's next. This is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley. Thank you.